0: This podcast was produced in partnership with Post Industrial Media. Post Industrial produces original journalism in podcast, print, online, and video, covering communities in transition around the world. Join our community today by visiting postindustrial.com. Hey, I want to give you guys fair warning. This episode has a scene of intense violence, including gunshots and some cursing. Okay, here we go. Give your journal number, please. 54. 54, and uh, has the jury reached a verdict as to each count of the information? Yes, we have, Your yeah. Honor. One verdict and one verdict only? Yes. Would you hand all I the I think most listeners them. know what happened at the end of the Kyle Rittenhouse trial in Kenosha, Wisconsin. The 17-year-old was in court after a scuffle with racial justice protesters that ended with him killing two people and injuring another. As to the first count of the information, Joseph Rosenbaum, we the jury find the defendant Kyle H. Rittenhouse not guilty. As to the second count of the information, Richard McGinnis, we, the jury, find the defendant, Kyle H. Rittenhouse, not guilty. We're not going to rehash Kyle Rittenhouse's trial here. There's plenty of that out there. Briefly, though, Rittenhouse had heard about tense racial justice protests in Kenosha. So he'd driven there from his hometown in Illinois with a military-style semi-automatic rifle. He told the jury he was there to protect property and that he'd shot people in self-defense. The trial divided Americans. Some, like Kenosha NAACP Secretary Veronica King, saw Rittenhouse as a violent vigilante. I question why he came to Kenosha in the first place. I mean, he was a weapon of mass destruction, walking down the street. Others saw him as a lawful defender of a community under siege. Here's Fox News host Tucker Carlson. This afternoon, the jury acquitted Kyle Rittenhouse on all charges. The jury affirmed what was obvious from the very beginning. He acted in self-defense. It was a wonderful moment. Anyone who believes in impartial justice was vindicated. But it was much more personal for militias and other far-right movements. For them, Rittenhouse was more than a hero. He was a standard-bearer. Rittenhouse the person was almost beside the point. Rittenhouse the symbol was what was important. He embodied what they saw themselves as, the only thing standing between their communities and anarchy. He validated the improvised armed security they see as their duty, not to mention their Second Amendment right. And Rittenhouse's innocence, they saw it as a validation of their mission. Far-right YouTuber Stephen Crowder treated the trial like a football game with live play-by-play throughout. Here's Crowder and his friends reacting to the Rittenhouse verdict in real time on his show Louder with Crowder. He's jury, not defendant, Kyle H Rittenhouse not guilty. Yeah! Yeah! Uh, yeah! Find the defendant, Kyle H. Rittenhouse, not guilty. Yeah, yeah. Yes. As to the third count of the information. Rittenhouse L. L. also has a fan in Eric Parker, that prominent Idaho militia leader we profiled in episode two. The day of the verdict, Parker tweeted, quote, From now on at my house, November 19th will be known as Kyle's Day. In Salt Lake City, the fascist-friendly all-male street brawling group, the Proud Boys, organized a Kyle Rittenhouse appreciation rally. Many came armed. USA! 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 Amid the gloating amongst much of the far-right, there wasn't much public introspection. Little concern for the loss of life. It was seen as a win, plain and simple, and Rittenhouse was the victor. So why did militias and other far-right activists see this tragedy as something to celebrate? I'm Heath Drusen and this is Extremely American, a look inside militias and other far-right groups that are trying to remake America in their absolutist image. Bonus episode, the Kenosha Kid. Let's be clear about exactly what led to these celebrations. It was August 2020, and protesters in Kenosha were angry that a black man in town had been shot and paralyzed by a police officer. At night, some of the protesters turned violent, smashing windows and setting cars on fire. Kyle Rittenhouse, a teenager, stood outside a car dealership with his rifle in hand. He told the court he was there to protect the dealership. But protesters were not happy to see him, and things went badly. It was all filmed. At this point, Rittenhouse had already shot and killed Jacob Rosenbaum, who appeared to throw a plastic bag at him in a video. Then, protesters started chasing Rittenhouse. A man kicks Rittenhouse. Rittenhouse shoots at him and misses. Then, Anthony Huber hits him with a skateboard. Rittenhouse kills him. Next, Gage Grosskreutz approaches him with a handgun. Rittenhouse shoots and wounds him. Bob Gardner, second-in-command of the Pennsylvania Volunteer Militia, says he doesn't want to see more violence at protests. But he thinks the verdict was correct. He says the people Rittenhouse shot brought it upon themselves. They were like a pack of wolves going in for the kill on that one lone person. And that's the way these groups do. They're systematic. They don't go where numbers are. They go where the lone person is. Gardner, who we featured in episode one, speaks admiringly of how Rittenhouse handled himself. The kid did what he had to do. I mean, kudos to him for staying cool under pressure. The thing is, I mean, being as young as that kid was, there was no collateral damage. He verified who his threat was and neutralized them. In fact, Gardner says he'd like to see more people act like Rittenhouse, pick up weapons to defend their community. That's what the militia's about. It's for the community, defending people and property from harm. On the one hand, this love for militias just logically makes sense. Rittenhouse came to the protest answering the call of a militia, the Kenosha Guard. And the Kenosha Guard were certainly out there, armed too. But also, militias cheered him because what he did, it validated them. They see themselves as protectors. Gardner's militia does what Rittenhouse did, traveling to other states to be self-appointed security during tense protests. Many of them saw that as something um, that basically amounted to a test for the Second Amendment and everything that follows from that. Amy Cooter, a militia expert and professor at Vanderbilt University, said militias saw a lot riding on the case. Many of them saw this as a test kind of of conservatism. They saw Rittenhouse as standing up um, for the rights of people against Antifa. And the not guilty verdict? Militia members see that as justice for Rittenhouse, yes, but protection for them as well. But many in the far right didn't just say justice was done and move on. Rittenhouse has become a darling of the far-right. He posed for pictures with Proud Boys, even flashed an OK sign that's been co-opted by white nationalists. I'm not in Kyle Rittenhouse's head. I don't know how much far-right fervor played into his decision to go armed to a racial justice protest. I reached out to Rittenhouse for this episode, but didn't hear back. Whatever the case, though, the far-right is celebrating him. Rittenhouse appeared at Turning Point USA's annual convention. That's an ultra-conservative youth group. They treated him like a rock star, even gave him his own theme song. I could understand disagreeing on the verdict. The case was complicated and our self-defense laws are muddled. Plus, people have wildly different ideas about the Second Amendment. But Americans weren't even able to agree that it was a tragedy that two people got killed, and it was a teenager who did it. The family of the victims will deal with their loss for the rest of their lives. And if you believe Rittenhouse's tears when he testified at trial, then at the very least, you believe he was traumatized. But still, many on the far right say what happened was a good thing, that Kyle Rittenhouse should be emulated. That should worry people. I mean, even Kyle Rittenhouse himself said traveling to Kenosha that day was, quote, not the best idea. Right-wing commentator Tommy Laren seemed to get the nuance and the potential problem. I do think that as conservatives, we need to be a little careful when it comes to this. I believe we can put up Kyle Rittenhouse as someone who is innocent, who is bullied and, and mistreated by the media. But I think we should step back a little bit and maybe not treat him like he's a rock star or a celebrity. I don't think that's necessarily a good look for the conservative movement. This comfort with violence, it seems to be growing in America. Here's a crowd member asking a far-right leader a question at a talk in Idaho. At this point, we're living under a corporate and medical fascism. This is tyranny. When do we get to use the guns? No, and, I, and, I, and I'm not, that's not a joke. I'm not saying it like that. I mean, literally, where's the line? How many elections are they going to steal before we kill these people? So, well, no, I, 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 no, hold on. I, I'm, no, stop. Hold on. N- now, I'm going to denounce that. I'm going to tell you why. That's Charlie Kirk responding. He's the head of Turning Point USA, that group that made the Kyle Rittenhouse song and introduced him like a rock star. And why will he denounce it? Liberals. Because you're playing into all their plans and they're trying to make you do this. That's okay. Just hear me out. They are trying to provoke you and everyone here. They are trying to make you do something that will be violent, that will justify a takeover of your freedoms and liberties, the likes of which we have never seen. Kirk is basically saying, don't go there. It's bad politics. And you hear those cheers? His crowd is amped for the possibility of violence. Plenty of Rittenhouse supporters don't even pay lip service to denouncing violence. They celebrate political violence. Case in point, this rap by Tyson James. And I just came to paint the picture. Your brains are on the pavement cause you ain't the victor. What is this about? You should've been quicker. You gon' listen now? Too late. Y'all about to make me pull a Rittenhouse. Far-right right memes popped up calling Rittenhouse the Kenosha kid, like he's some Wild West gunslinger. There's a question I get a lot. Is America at risk for political violence? It's rooted in a quaint notion that it's not already happening. I think Americans tend to think of their country as protected from these things. But it's a misstated question. We have already seen plenty of political violence. The January 6th insurrection is the most dramatic example, but we've also seen serious violence between left and right-wing protesters, like shootouts in the streets of Portland, Oregon. That's political violence too. So the question really is, are we at risk for continued political violence? and more of it. Unfortunately, I think the answer to that question is a resounding yes. Americans themselves seem to be saying the same. A survey of Mountain West states, a stronghold of militias, showed one fifth of people said political violence was justifiable. The poll was published at the end of 2021. A national survey found even more alarming numbers. One third of Americans said political violence is justified sometimes. That includes 40% of Republicans surveyed and 23% of Democrats. As we enter the era of this threat, the Kyle Rittenhouse story is becoming another part of militia lore. Gardner started this podcast telling the story of the killdozer. That was the guy in Colorado who was angry about a zoning dispute and flattened half his town. There was one man that was pushed to the brink of, don't fuck with me. And that's basically what he did. He went after those who fucked with him. Gardner and a lot of militia members see the Killdozer guy as a hero, and his story is an inspiration rather than a cautionary tale about taking things too far. In his take on the Rittenhouse saga, there's a familiar tone. He just was a regular person that got pushed too far that reacted. Gardner's not alone in telling the Rittenhouse story this way. In a way, it's a cleaner legend than the Killdozer. A court found Rittenhouse not guilty. He was absolved, and the far right can point to that. Now, he's celebrated by some. They say he bravely stood between a community and, as Gardner put it, the wolves. The tension in the streets of America isn't likely to die down soon. And with Rittenhouse's acquittal, we might see more people react like Rittenhouse. Whether you think of him as the Kenosha kid or the Kenosha killer, the next Kyle Rittenhouses are out there. And they could be taken to the streets in your community next. (laughs) ¶¶ Extremely American was created by me, Heath Drusen. Story editing by Morgan Springer. Mixing and sound engineering by James Dawson. Original music by Micah Huang. Additional music from Artlist. Kim Palmero is editor-in-chief and CEO of Post Industrial Media. Thanks also to Boise State Public Radio, the exclusive public radio sponsor for this podcast. I hope you'll take a second to rate and review us on whatever app you're using to listen. It helps other people find us. This podcast is made possible through the Candida Fund. Learn more at kendeda.org And from the Joyce Foundation, joycefdn.org. With support from the Forbes Funds at forbesfunds.org. For photos from the series and some additional reporting, head over to postindustrial.com. This podcast was produced in partnership with Post-Industrial Media. Post-Industrial covers people, culture, and ideas for post-industrial communities around the world. Visit postindustrial.com to learn how you can join the post-industrial community.